to downtown. Lift and Lift and peeved. Lift and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it, but it's a real word. Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what is up? Hey! Hey, wow. That was loud. Uh, so some things have happened since we have talked last. And Say what? <laughs> we haven't talked about, even though I feel like I've talked about this trade like a hundred times now and that it's, you know, happened like a year ago. It just happened a few days right. ago. The Thunder traded Carmelo Anthony for TLC and Dennis Schroeder. What are your, what are your initial thoughts, Alex? Well, for me, it, it goes back to something John Hamm said, actually, when it became obvious that Melo was leaving OKC. Because John was talking about how Thunder fans shouldn't be so quick to assume that we'll just be able to replace Melo's minutes and production so easily. You know, because even if Melo didn't excel with OKC last season, he still provided some value in the sense that he was soaking up a significant amount of minutes for a team that wasn't really that deep. Yeah. So I, I do think there's some validity to that argument, even if I am one of the biggest Patrick Patterson stands. And even if we all agree that Melo wasn't a great fit in OKC. So then based on that, when the you know different exit ideas for Melo started getting floated, the idea of OKC just waving and stretching him all of a sudden sounded a lot more risky because you know it's not like OKC had a lot of mechanisms available to them to add talent on the team at that point. So this was one of their only obvious shots in the near future to do that. And so while Schroeder isn't a perfect fit, I do think he is a legitimate replacement for some of the scoring lost with Mello. And he adds the ball handler playmaker component to not just a team, but a franchise that has been desperate for guys like that since KD left. So one of the things I looked at was I wanted to look at the gap between Russ's assist average and the second leading assist man on the, on the thunder <laughs> season by season. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> so I went back to, I started in the Oh nine 2010 season. That was the first year that Russ led the team in assists. his rookie year. Do you know who led the team in assists? This rookie year. Um, I don't know. I can't think of it. He, off the top he, could, he couldn't get into the club. They didn't let him in. Mr. Earl Watson. Oh, oh, okay. I do remember that because Earl started for most right. of the season for and Russell. It was, yeah, it was super close. It was like 5.6 to 5.3. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so starting in the 2009-2010 season, Russ was number one and the gap was 4.6. Eric Maynard was second. Okay, so I'm just going to start listing off these numbers year by year. Okay, see if you notice if there's ever a change at any point. <laughs> Uh, so it went 5.3, 1.8. That was the 2012 championship run season, or at least the finals run season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2.8, 1.3. This is when Katie's getting really good at becoming a playmaker. 
4.3, 5.4. Those are the Reggie Jackson years. Then 7.8, 7.0. Those are the last two seasons after KD left. I think we had hoped that Oladipo would be that secondary ball handler. Yeah. We probably hoped that Paul George might be that secondary ball handler. And he was to some extent, but neither guy really became like the Harden or the Reggie Jackson. So, you know, Schroeder is our next best hope, but I actually think he's going to make a significant difference on this team with his passing ability. I thought uh, Kevin O'Connor had a really good article on Schroeder, mm-hmm. and I think people should go read it if only to watch some of the passing highlights. Some of them were seriously impressive. I just, you know, why would I be watching Schroeder you know, <laughs> over the past couple of years? You know, I had, I had no reason to watch this guy. Yeah. Um, but there was one play in particular where it's a fast break. It, this is back when they had Kyle Korver. And so he's sprinting down the court. Kyle Korver is sprinting down the opposite side of the court. And he throws the ball just clear across the court. Like does this cross court pass through everybody perfectly to the spot that Kyle Korver is going to be at the three point line. And so that honestly, that gift right there got me more excited than anything. <laughs> just knowing that you have somebody else on this team who can not just pass because we've had guys like Nick Collison or even Patrick Patterson who are like good passers. You know, they, mm-hmm. they move the ball. They're not all like Serge Ibaka was. Um, but having someone who can actually lead an offense on their own, like a true secondary playmaker, uh, that, that's what gets me so excited, even though I fully admit that the fit isn't perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's. <clears throat> I think it will help, and I think the Thunder, well, their options were pretty limited with the trade. I mean, they they wanted to fulfill basically two things, and they ended up doing three, but it was bring back a player that can be productive and save some money, and they were able to do both of those with Atlanta. <clears throat> Excuse me, and there's just not a lot of teams they could have done that with. And so Schroeder, it was just kind of the perfect storm. They wanted to get rid of Schroeder. He kind of makes sense for the Thunder um, in that they want to play fast, and he's one of the fastest point guards in the NBA. So that helps. Um, but I think, I don't think there's any question that he's going to be great as the backup, but I think that it remains to be seen how they play together and who's willing to... Man, I just have to clear my throat every five seconds. Um, who's willing to uh, play off ball? And how does that work? And what does that look like? And I, I think that it would make Russell a more productive player and make the Thunder offense more dynamic if it was him uh, willing to come off the ball. Because I just don't know how many teams are going to be guarding Schroeder off the ball. And like, like we don't really need to pay attention to him look at his catch and shoot numbers from last year. And I know that they've been good in the past. And I mentioned that on the last show, but I just think that largely he, he's a guy that can be ignored off ball. Russell Westbrook, on the other hand, has been great as a spot up shooter and a guy that I think that teams would just be honestly so confused <laughs> if they saw him running <laughs> off ball, that they'd just be like, what, what is happening here? Uh, we need to watch what he's doing because anytime that he is off ball, it's, on an out of timeout play and it almost always works. And so I think it's a good opportunity and maybe, you know, Russell, I don't think that he is playing off ball for Ray Felton. We have seen that. And, you know, maybe the caliber of a, the competitor that Schroeder is and the caliber of passer that he is, maybe he would um, 
for Schroeder. And also another thing, Ray, Ray Felton, I think he did a really good job last year, but he throws some of the most inaccurate passes as a backup point <laughs> guard in the NBA. And so I think that he's going to help the likes of Patrick Patterson and Alex Sabrinas and guys like that um, who uh, Schroeder will be playing with. And even Ray Felton himself um, getting the ball because Ray was one of the best shooters on the team last year. And I think he'll play. And so I think it'll be really interesting uh, to see that. Uh, it just remains to be seen for me what, what it looks like when they play together because they undoubtedly will play together. Yeah, and I think how they play together will ultimately decide the ceiling of this team. I think they can still be good. Um, but if they if if them together actually works out, I think then the ceiling jumps up significantly. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And it also will determine probably how how happy Schroeder is playing the role that he is so I think like the idea of playing six-man spot finishing games like in in all of our heads including his it's like oh that sounds actually pretty good to be on a good team to be able to finish games sign me up but let's say it doesn't work let's say those lineups just are clunky the offense isn't working and then you're like well you know Dennis we need to play Robertson more in this spot or we need to play Ferguson or Brinas or whoever steps up Whoever, like maybe one of those guys makes a leap this year. We need to play them more because they make more sense as a spot up guy. Well, then how happy is Dennis Schroeder if he's playing 18 minutes a game? You know, right. pro- probably not super happy. And so it, it will, a lot of it will just largely depend on, like you said, how, how they play together. And I, I, I'm very intrigued because I think that overall it's better to have more guys that can shoot, pass, and dribble. And I know that. Schroeder isn't a shooter, but I think that he can be a better spot up guy than he's shown last season. And so just to have another guy that can do that, it just makes your offense so much more dynamic. And that's, that's a word you never use for the Thunder offense is dynamic, but I think they have an opportunity to be dynamic for the first time in years. And then the other part of it was TLC. And then, you know, the next few days getting Abdel, Abdel Nader, mm-hmm. um, which now that I'm looking at their off season, it almost seems like Presti's trying to make up for the fact that he didn't take OG Ananobi. It's like, <laughs> I have to go get every wing I could possibly get. I have to make up for this fact. I mean, he's got like four or five guys now to try out. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense. It's what we like have been wanting for years. And it's like, why? Like Nick Collison last season, it's like, you know, it's cool that he's here still, but we, it'd be nice to have a, a spot where you can see if there's like a G league level guy that can develop or just any kind of wing period. Cause they were just desperate. You have Singler taking up a spot. You had Dakari taking up a spot that I just didn't think was very valuable. And now like all those guys are gone. I th- and I I'm going I'm going to go ahead and consider Singler gone. Like the dude is going something is going to happen with Kyle Singler in the next 35 days. Like I just that sounds like a threat, Andrew. I just promise <laughs> I promise you something's going to happen. Um and so they use all those spots and I think the Thunder did a lot of people are like very confused by the Abdel Nader trailer. Like why would they do that? Is the money like everybody everybody just gets so weird about cap space and cap room and the luxury tax and this everyone like 
I don't know if they want to seem smart or if they want, if they feel smart saying like, oh, this, this will add $1.5 million to this and that multiply. Can you believe Sam Presti would do this? I think Sam Presti likes Abdel Nader. I think that that's why he made the trade. I think that he wants to see like how much better is he than any of these guys? And maybe the answer he's is he's not. And they were able to take, they took back $450,000, which is the number that the Celtics would have paid to let him go. And I think that Presti just said, Hey, like include that please. And right. they said, okay. And it's, it's low money to just see if this guy can play. And I think that the thunder like him, he was the G league MVP which doesn't necessarily mean that you can play in the NBA. There's been lots of G League MVPs that don't play in the NBA. And I just think that they, they like the, they like him. They like the idea of him. They like guys from Iowa State. He played with Deontay Burton at Iowa State. And so um, I, I think that they like him. And they, they're bringing in all these wings. And I think that training camp will be fascinating in that aspect i think that obviously you have the bigger storylines and the storylines that will actually drive the season and like how is schroeder playing with russell and how are they getting along and what is that looking like and where is paul george fitting in this and what does stephen adams look like those are obviously much bigger conversations to be had but then there's this kind of end of the bench conversation it's like who's going to make the roster right because they're going to have some spots and they're going to I presume they're going to use it on some of these wings that they have on the end of their bench. And who's going to get that second two-way contract? And does Deontay Burton get upgraded? That's a possibility. And so it's just, I think that will be fascinating. And it's the first time since like the Perry Jones, Jeremy Lamb, Reggie Jackson, when those guys were super young, it's like the first time I'm intrigued with what will happen at the end of the Thunder bench because the past few years, it's been pretty bad. For sure. I mean, I remember after uh, Robertson went down and before they signed Corey Brewer, you know, there was a, there was a week where I was like, should we try Kyle Singler? Is, <laughs> is it is it time to give him another shot? Does he uh, need a 10th chance? Yeah. And it was because like we ran out of names, you know, it's like yeah. we had Josh Eustace and then Kyle Singler and that was all that was left. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just, you know, you can't you know, when like someone like Robertson goes down, it's not like, well, throw Dakari in there. Let's see how he does. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. But now we have these guys, like I think TLC can probably play right off the bat. I'm not saying he's going to be good, but I think he can be, he can fill that like Josh Eustace role at least at the minimum. Yeah. Um, And then who who knows what happens with these other guys. So yeah, I, I think it's great. I think that's where the depth needs to be built because Especially now you look at their point guard and center rotations like those are set. So we just need wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I for sure. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with any of those guys. If any of them turn out, you know, I, I think that you can even throw Ferguson in that mix because it remains to be seen what kind of player he's going to be. And he, sh- he was able to play at the NBA level last year and played well in a few games and was pretty terrible in others. And so I just don't know what he's going to look like as a pro. And he's he's beefing up a little bit. He looks, I don't know if you saw his his picture where he's, I mean, his bicep is actually has some definition to it now. So he's, he, he's going to show up. I think he's going to be better. And, but it just remains to be seen, like who of that group is going to be a rotation player. And I think that, 
I think that Ferguson and TLC and Abrinas, obviously, they have the lead for all those guys. But you never know like who's going to pop up and actually be good. So I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like and that the Thunder are... It seems like they're actually being smart with the end of their bench for the first time in a long time. So yeah, that excites me. Uh, you know what else is smart? To do, press. to do is to go to the press. <laughs> it's in the Plaza District in downtown Oklahoma City. Uh, it's just a wonderful restaurant. If you're going, you have to try the mac and cheese. I say this every week, but you just have to if you're going to go for the first time. So make sure that somebody that you're going with gets it so that you can try it. Uh, their salads are incredibly fresh. They have a great beer and cocktail selection. They have a really good chicken fried steak. If you're looking for something heavy, if you're looking for something a little bit lighter, I'm, I can't recommend the veggie burger enough. And I've, I've had one veggie burger in my whole life and it was at the press and it was so good. So you got to go check them out. Uh, it's a great place to take a date. It's a great place to go with a group. Uh, it's just a wonderful restaurant uh, in the Plaza District near downtown. So please support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at the press. Alex, anything else before well, we I, go on? To wrap up kind of like the off season so far, I just wanted to talk about Mellow on the Rockets real oh, quick. Oh, yeah. Just because it finally happened. Um, so I, I still think the Rockets are going to be an elite team in the regular season. I still think they could finish as the number one seed. Uh, and the reason for that is I, I just don't think there's enough teams in the regular season that will punish them for playing mellow big minutes, mm-hmm. similar to OKC last year. I mean, a lot of the time last season, OKC was able to get by and in some instances even excel with mellow playing big minutes because it just didn't ultimately matter that much night to night against random opponents. And I think that will be true for Houston. But what I think Houston loses in this trade and and their offseason in general is how matchup proof they were last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't really a team all year that figured out how to consistently beat Houston. I mean, even Golden State needed a CP3 injury and a historically bad shooting night to beat them. They had so few weaknesses you could attack. And that became even more apparent when they essentially stopped playing Ryan Anderson in the playoffs. Right. So I went back and beginning with the Utah series, Ryan Anderson's most minutes played in a game was nine minutes, 28 seconds. So now with the mellow trade, I just don't think they're matchup proof anymore because you can, you can't play a target like mellow nine minutes and 28 seconds in the playoffs. You're going to have to play him more than that. So I think a team like Utah would give them a lot more trouble this year than they did last year. I think a team like San Antonio would give them trouble. Golden state, obviously, and I'm not saying that I would favor Utah or San Antonio in a hypothetical series against Houston, but I do think Houston's margin for error is significantly less than it was last year. Whereas if they have another historically bad shooting night, like they did last year in game seven, I don't think it's going to be a nine point loss. Right. I, th- I think it will be a blowout in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's the big difference for me. I still think they could be good. I still think they could go to the Western conference finals, but it has changed somewhat. Yeah, and I, I Mello's going to be better for them. If you're a Thunder fan, prepare for that. I just think he's going to be better. I think that he's going to have more open shots than he did last year. And it's not like he didn't have... He shot a ton of open shots and he missed a ton of them. I just would be prepared that he's going to be a little bit better for them. But his weaknesses aren't going away. 
and he's going to be a bad defender. He's going to be a guy that you can't play that is going to be targeted in the playoffs. And that's where the Rockets are going to be limited because if they, I mean, who guards even if they play Utah, who's going to guard Donovan Mitchell for that team? You know, I mean, their options are pretty limited and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested because there's not, we're going to discuss this here in a minute, but there's not a weak link in the Western conference really. And in the first round, you're going to be playing a really good team. And we saw Mello get exposed immediately in the first round. I mean, the dude, his minutes just dwindled throughout the playoffs. And so I think that if you're a Rockets fan, I think that you can, I think it's okay for Rockets fans to be excited to get Carmelo Anthony on their team. One, because it's a tremendous value at a vet minimum. I mean, it just is. He wasn't going to be valuable for the Thunder because they're paying him, you know, $28 million. But at the minimum, that's a great deal. But um, I, th- I just think at the end of the day, they're going to have Ryan Anderson 2.0 on their roster. And if you can't play the real Ryan Anderson, who I think is more accepting of his role, is just going to stand there and spot up shoot. I just don't know how you can play Mello unless he gets in a lot better shape. And I don't know if he will, but... Uh, that was one of the issues last year with the Thunder is I just don't think he was in great shape and maybe he gets in better shape. I'm not sure, but it's, it's another interesting storyline because I mean, you just look at going from Ariza and Bamute who seem to fit perfectly with them. They're play finishers. They're great defenders. They both played heavy minutes and I know Bamute wasn't good in the regular, in the playoffs because of his injury, but the regular season of when he played was really good and so I just, they're going to miss those guys tremendously and adding Mello, who could only play for Oklahoma City and on a thin Oklahoma City team, 25 minutes in the last two games, uh, it's, it's, it, it would be a concern to me if he is considered to be one of your better players. Right. All right. You want to move on to our next segment? You want to intro it? Yeah. So this is the fallout pod. Fallout pod. Uh, so this came or this idea came because I was reading some tweet and somebody was like, hey, I just realized that two of these teams are going to miss the playoffs. So they were assuming uh, Golden State and Houston would make it. And so they said two of these teams are going to miss the playoffs. And it was the Lakers, Spurs, Thunder, Timberwolves, Nuggets, Blazers, Jazz, Pelicans. Like two of those teams. Mm -hmm. That doesn't even include teams that are trying to make the playoffs like Dallas, Memphis, and the Clippers. So we've been talking about how the West is going to be a bloodbath. Everyone's interested in like, hey, how are you ranking these teams? Like, who do you think is going to be left out? We're not doing that, Andrew. No. We we have a different take. We are going to be ranking these teams by how devastating missing the playoffs would be to their franchise. Yeah. So we're going to start with the team where it'd be the least devastating mm-hmm. and then move all the way up to the most devastating. I, when I first uh, came up with the idea, I th- actually thought it was going to be pretty easy. But as I actually got into it and started thinking about it from that team's perspective, I, I was changing them all around. So I'm interested to see what our lists are. Now, I did not include Houston because I'm assuming they're going to – oh, I, I should mention the a very, very important rule – 
for this list is that we are assuming relatively good health for every team. Mm -hmm. So no major normal season, right? A normal season. So like, we're not going to say, well, I put the Lakers here because you know, like if LeBron gets hurt, like we're not going to do any like hypothetical injuries. So this is assuming that everyone's pretty much healthy. Um, I, I was, I was saying that I did not include Houston. You really wanted to include Houston just because you told me you would be so happy (laughs) if they missed the playoffs. So I I, I said, fine, you can include them. So you'll probably be talking about them at the very end. Um, you did not include my first two teams. No. So I'll run through them kind of quick. So the least devastating to me would actually be the Phoenix suns. I was originally going to put the Sacramento Kings, but I put the Phoenix Suns because I think they have zero chance of the playoffs. I'm sure their owner wants them to make it. And I think signing Ariza is probably an indication of that desire. But right. ultimately, missing the playoffs really doesn't matter for this franchise. They have a first year head coach. So it's not like they're going to be firing their head coach at the end of the year. They have a super young core. They're going to be fine. And this year should just be about letting the young guys find their rhythm with each other. And I rank them behind the Kings. Only because even if the Kings miss the playoffs and we don't think that's devastating, which I don't think it would be. No one's expecting the Kings to make the playoffs. What is devastating for the Kings is that they don't have their own pick. And one idea, other idea for things we could talk about that I was going to send you was stories that we think are going to be stories but aren't stories yet. And one story that I think is going to become a story is how the Kings pick is top one protected. I think that's going to become a bigger deal as the season goes on. (laughs) Yeah. Because remember that if the Kings pick lands number one, the Sixers get it. We've just kind of always, everyone talks about that pick as like, this is a Celtics pick. The Celtics are going to get another great pick, but this is, this is, this could happen. Like the Kings are going to be bad enough because remember that this is the first year of the draft lottery reform meaning that the bottom three teams all have an equal 14% chance at the top spot. Mm-hmm. And, and the fourth worst team even has a 12.5% chance. So Sacramento in all likelihood will be a bottom four team, not just because they're a bad young team, but because they're a bad young team in the Western conference. Um, I think they're the obviously worst team in the West. And I went back as far as 1987, the year I was born to see if there had ever been a time when the worst four records all came from one conference, because I think some people would want to say, Oh, there's so many worst teams in the East. It's never happened, Andrew in my lifetime. (laughs) So I think whoever is the worst in the West is guaranteed to be a bottom four team. And that means that they're going to have a pretty decent chance at jumping up to the number one spot. So uh, I just wanted to mention that it's something I'm excited about <laughs> when we start getting into the draft lottery stuff. That is interesting. And if you look at the East, uh, there's not a lot of teams you would say that are that are worse than the Kings. Right. I, I mean, thought like the Hawks and then probably the Nets because they need to be tanking. Like this is their first year with their own pick. Yeah, but they're going to be better. Like right, they, they like play still solid. They play better basketball. They've got guys that will help them this year. I got. I would be really surprised if the Kings finish or if the Nets finish better than the Kings or whatever. That's not what I mean. The opposite of what <laughs> I said. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're moving into the teams that at least most people would agree have like eh, maybe some realistic shot at the playoffs. So 
Remember, we're doing least devastating to miss the playoffs. My next team was the Dallas Mavericks. That was my team. I have number 12. I have the Dallas Mavericks. So Yeah, so I think it, it's it's disappointing in that it's Dirk's last year. Mm-hmm. But there is a young core there. Yeah. You know, they got Dennis Smith Jr. And, and Luka Doncic. And there's a scenario where the Mavs are competitive. Doncic wins rookie of the year. Dennis Smith Jr. improves and they still miss the playoffs. There's still a lot of excitement there. There's still a lot of hope there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it would kill them. I I do think it would make them think, ah, maybe we should have just thrown a big offer at Clint Capella instead of mm-hmm. <laughs> signing DeAndre Jordan to a one-year deal. But um, compared to some of these other teams, I think it's it's not as bad. Yeah, they may put themselves in a place where they can trade some of these guys because I mean they, they're still set up to have a lot of cap space next summer, and so they're I think they're kind of in a no lose situation. If they happen to make the eighth seed, wow, that's amazing, and you still have a chance to kind of reform your team in the off season. If they don't make it, like who cares? Like your best your best players are super young and they're developing, and so I just. Right. I think they're in a no-lose situation. Who do you have next? So, so number 11, I'm interested to see whether you had them here. I had the Los Angeles Clippers. Man, we have the same list so far. Whoa, that's exciting because <laughs> I thought this was really hard. Uh, so, again, s- similarly, I, I think, you know, even though their owner obviously wants to make the playoffs, they're still going to be perfectly set up for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think while playoff appearance would be fun – I think it could hurt them long term because I could see them as, oh, we have some momentum now. And all of a sudden they decide to commit long term to a team that probably doesn't have a super high ceiling. Um, so looking at the roster right now, they have a ton of good rotation guys on tradable contracts. They have a decent amount. They can have a decent amount of cap space next summer. They've got some young lottery projects. I don't think they should be upset by missing the playoffs, especially considering the lottery odds increase their chances of landing a higher pick. I think they are exactly the kind of team who could benefit from getting another pick in their system. And then also they're going to have a lot of cap space so they could actually chase some big fish. Yeah, I, I just, I I think it'll be hard for them to make the playoffs in general. And they've got these younger guys that it's just like, let's see what they can do. And they may end up getting the most minutes going forward. But I think they're going to be a solid team and that they have a chance to make the playoffs. But I mean, who like what what would be devastating about them missing the playoffs? I just don't really even see what the downside is um, personally. Right. So I think that they really just want to see what they can get out of uh, Gilgis Alexander and Jerome Robinson and see if any of these other young guys can can play. All right. So next do you have the Memphis Grizzlies? Oh, man. Yes. You do. <laughs> so I actually thought the Grizzlies were a difficult one at first because, you know, at first I'm thinking, well, I don't think the Grizzlies have any chance to make the playoffs, so I'm probably not going to rank them that high. But from the perspective of their ownership, I think missing the playoffs would actually be a bigger deal than it might initially seem because if they miss the playoffs under our rules, which assumes pretty good health, that means they can really no longer use the crutch argument of, well, if Conley and Gasol are healthy for an entire season, we're mm-hmm. a 50-win team. Right. So I think that would shatter all of that. And then it's like, well, what do we do now? Like mm-hmm. now we have 30, probably at that point, 31-year-old Mike Conley on this super long contract. Marc Gasol has a player option next summer. Like what are we going forward 
because it's not like, you know, luckily they have Jaron Jackson. But yeah. It's not like they have a ton of young guys with him to like grow a young core yet. Right. I mean, they're like Dylan Brooks and Javon Carter. And I like both those guys, but those aren't building blocks for your team. Uh, and they just gave Kyle Anderson a contract where he's getting paid around $10 million in 2122, which I don't think is like a devastating contract by any stretch, but they're really tied up by these three deals and Conley Gasol and Chandler Parsons. And they're paying 82, roughly $83 million to all three of those guys in 2020. And so I think it is devastating in the fact that they are paying so much money to these guys that are really going to be tough to trade and tough to get value out of because at, at the end of the day, who's going to pay Mike Conley 30 want to pay Mike Conley $34 million in 2021. I mean, it's, right. it's going to be, that's a tough one to trade and there's just not a lot of teams that need point guards and that he's like their final piece. And if, if you were looking at one, I would have looked at like the Cleveland Cavaliers last season you know, yeah. and they maybe they could give up. I don't know what they would have given, but some young young pieces. But and then Marcus All, he'll be he has two years left on his deal. He's got a player option for twenty five million in nineteen twenty. I mean, that's that's a tough one too because he's aging, and we don't really know what kind of player he is. They're, they're just in this weird spot where they have these guys like those are good players, but how good are they, and are they going to get injured again, and it, I think that it's just a tough spot to be for the Memphis Grizzlies. And I kind of like what they did on the fringes. I like Kyle Anderson. I like Garrett Temple. I really like the Jaron Jackson pick. I think this team could be solid. You um, love the, uh, you mentioned you love the Dakari Johnson uh, trade. Oh yeah. You really like that. <laughs> Dakari <laughs> is, is such a Grizzly. Uh, I think, I think they'll be a solid team. They're going to be, a, if they're healthy, I mean, that's an, that's not an easy game. And we're talking about a team that we don't think will make the playoffs. And so this, the Western conference, I mean, the more you dig into it, the more like my eyes get wider. I'm just like, Oh boy, this is going to be, this is going to be a tough year, but who knows? I mean, Marcus all Mike Conley could be injured again. I mean, the, right. it, it could happen. And then they're in the tank again. And so, which would probably benefit them more than to, you know, get like the ninth or 10th seed in the West and then have a middling pick and then just kind of be floating along until basically 2022 when their cap sheet actually looks decent. So, uh, it's, it's tough. Um, it's tough in Memphis. Yeah. I mean, their, their ultimate issue is that their two best guys are worth way more to them than they would be to any other team. Yep. They've, they've kind of missed the window on potentially getting something significant in return for either of those guys. Mm -hmm. And don't, don't forget. I just wanted to look this up to make sure, but they actually owe their first round pick to Boston in 2019. So that's coming up. Uh, It's protected for one through eight in 2019 and then one through six in 2020 and then becomes unprotected. So Hmm. uh, that will be interesting as well. Okay. So the next team, I think this is where we will start to diverge, but we'll see. I hope so. Who do you have at nine? Uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Okay. I do not have the Spurs there. Okay. So I originally had the Spurs hire. It's like, well, they just made this huge trade. Like that'd be such a disappointment. But I do think they're a strange one in that much like Kobe's last couple of years in LA, 
the main characters in the Spurs story, Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, Pop, they already have rock solid legacies. So it's not like a missed playoffs is really going to change that. It would definitely be a story, but it wouldn't have the drama and media attention of the Lakers missing the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It probably wouldn't be that franchise altering. It's not like they're firing pop. They still have Marcus Aldridge and DeRozan locked up for at least another year. So I just don't, it, it sounds like it would be a big deal, but I think in practice it would end up, you know, it would just be like, wow, it's, it's a really, it's a really crazy Western conference. What are you going to do? Um, I, I don't think it would be franchise altering in any way. The DeRozan backlash would be at an all time high. It would just be outrageous <laughs> from Taylor, especially. <laughs> oh man. And it all be justified at that point. Right. I feel like it would yeah. be because this Spurs team, they accidentally make the playoffs every year. Like they just stumble into a good record. It doesn't matter who's on the team. It doesn't matter. Then DeMar DeRozan comes in and you're shooting so many inefficient mid-range jumpers that you miss the play- <laughs> you miss the playoffs. Like that's that's the storyline. It would not be good cuz then DeRozan like if you wanted to trade him, you couldn't get much value back for him. And LaMarcus is another year older. You don't like who do you have? Like I I like Derek White. I think he's good. I like DeJounte Murray, but are those building blocks? I really that's yet to be seen. And so they let go of Kyle Anderson, which I think is kind of a big deal because he played a lot for them last year. And so I I feel like it would kind of put them in this in a really strange spot for San Antonio and that they're kind of in no man's land because this team is kind of is built to be in the playoffs now. And if they don't make it, then what do you, what are you? Right. So I had them rank a little bit higher because of that. Um, in my so, in my spot, or what were you going to yes. say? Oh no, I have a feeling who you're going to say, but go ahead and say it. Who do you think I'm going to say? The Nuggets. Yeah, Denver Nuggets. Yeah, they're so they're super ahead. they're super young still. Like they're their best players. Gary Harris is 23. Jokic is 22. Jamal Murray's still 20. You have Trey Lyles and you have uh, Wancho, who's super young. I, I just don't. I, I think that there's a chance that they miss, and I think that's okay. And I think that maybe Paul Millsap, if it looks like at the deadline, you know, this team really they they're good, but they're just not good enough to make the playoffs in the West. Maybe you could deal Paul Millsap for a first round pick to somebody. Uh, I I think that that's what they should have been doing all along. Is that trying to be good now i just don't really get the point of that i think that you need to try to develop along with the curve of your players and that's never been what denver wanted to do and they may end up being really good like they could be the sixth seed in the west and that wouldn't shock me but i just don't know how devastating it would be to them just because they have this core locked up they have all these young guys um and you know they their their best years are still three or four years from now. And so I just don't, I don't see the point in trying to be great now. And and maybe you can get an asset for Paul Millsap and, you know, Millsap, it could obviously help a team tremendously. And so maybe some of the Thunder Wings work out or maybe they, I don't know. I'm not saying that I think he'd be a great fit for the Thunder. I don't think they can absorb his contract in any way, but I think some that Paul Millsap could help somebody if they're not in, in a position and, you know, they're not going to lose a lot if they don't make it. Yeah. And 
Plus, there's like a simple fix, which is they'd probably fire Mike Malone in that scenario. Sure. Um, and then you're coming back with still the super young core. Plus, maybe you're getting Michael Porter coming back from a redshirt season. Like right. there's, there's still a ton to be excited about with that team. Mm-hmm. And all those young guys are locked up. Yeah. At least for a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. When you're that young, it, it's it's tough to have a great team. It just is. And they have the leadership of Millsap. And, you know, you have a guy like Gary Harris who's going to be 24. But still, that's, that's really young. I, I just think that their their best years are in the 2020s. So, uh, okay. So I had the Nuggets at nine. You had the Spurs at nine. Who do you have at eight? Uh, so I had... Uh, the Nuggets next, and okay. then I had the Jazz, the Utah Jazz. Yeah, so here's my order. Nuggets 9, Jazz 8, Spurs 7. So Utah okay. J- Utah Jazz at 8 for me, just because they have a they're another team. It's, it's a similar argument with the Nuggets. They have a young core for the most part. And so I, I just think that they can still have confidence moving forward if they don't make it this season it's not like a boom or bust for them this season the, the guys are largely not in their primes and so they still have their best years ahead of them and so that's that's why and i think why i put them ahead of a team like denver is because they probably don't even fire their coach in that scenario right they, they probably just mark it up to like a one season fluke and they just bring everybody back mm-hmm. um so i i don't think it would be I, I just don't think there would be that many changes. Obviously it'd be super embarrassing and I would love it. You know, cause I feel like <laughs> jazz fans are just going crazy right now on Twitter. Uh, so uh, it would be exciting for me personally, but ultimately I don't think it would matter that much. Yeah. And, and you could see them trying to get an asset if they if it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs for Joe Ingles, who's 30 uh, Ricky Rubio, who's 27. Derek Favors, who is on a deal where they probably need to deal him. He's 26. And then kind of move forward with Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and you have Dante Exum, who's locked up for a little while, and move forward with that. But I think it's the odds are pretty low for me that they actually miss just because they were so good last year. I'm not sure that they can... Maybe they can duplicate how good they were last year, um, but they certainly just kind of there was some magic to what they were doing last year it was kind of crazy just because i mean the they were just a lot better than their roster was on paper so it will it'll it'll be interesting to see if if they can duplicate that and then i have spurs at seven who do you have at seven uh i think i had the jazz there that's where we have utah okay so we had the same three groupings just in different order yes so now i think there's a jump at this point yeah we're, we're like ratcheting it up. And I think you're going to be surprised who I have here. Cause how many teams we have five teams left. Mm-hmm. So remember least devastating. I'm choosing the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh man. That's who I have too. Really? Okay. Yeah. So initially I was, I assumed that I would put them number one, but the more I thought about it, the more I kept moving them down because yes, this would probably be the biggest story of the NBA season. And for that reason alone, they deserve to be high. Mm-hmm. But when you step back, you remember that they've got LeBron locked up. They have all their young guys who would likely still have varying amounts of trade value. All those one-year guys that they've signed would be coming off the books. They'd have this great chance to totally reset in 2019. So it'd get a lot of press. It'd be really embarrassing. It'd be really fun. But they'd 
all they're already in a great spot for 2019, regardless of what happens this season. Mm-hmm. And I think they could correct that narrative really quickly. Yeah, and they also have so many guys to blame now, <laughs> like on their roster. That's true. Maybe that's what LeBron has been doing with these signings. You know what? Like, look I at the West. This is yeah. This is crazy. This is a crazy Western Conference. Like, there's a chance Magic we don't make the playoffs. Uh, I want you to go get me guys I can blame for this. Michael Beasley, JaVale McGee, Rayshon Rondo, and put them on one-year deals. And, you know, that gives me an out because it's it's a, it's such a weird team. They're so weird. But I, I kind of put a, like a phrase or a word next to every team in the ranking, and I just put LeBron, the recruiter, number six for the Lakers. Yeah. Just because he's... If he's still the same level that he was last year, one, they're not going to miss the playoffs. Two, if they do happen to miss, he's still the best player in the world, and he's in Los Angeles, and he's a Laker. I mean, someone is going to come. And we thought, I mean, you thought it was going to be Paul George, and a lot of people did. Most people thought it would be Paul. And he he did not want to come. And a lot of people think it's going to be Kawhi next year. And... I think the Raptors are going to be really good and that they have a chance to keep uh, Kawhi there. And so it's just going to be really interesting to see who goes to play with LeBron. That's a a massive, massive storyline because everyone just assumes that somebody in 2019 is going to go play with LeBron. Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. Somebody is going to jump and go to the Lakers. And so it'll be interesting to see who that is or if anybody does, if anybody like maybe it's just Chris Middleton. Like, I don't know. It's it'll just be interesting to see LeBron as the recruiter, because that will be his main job next summer, because they're going to have tremendous amount of cap space. They're going to still and maybe the recruitment is through trade because they're going to still have these young guys that are developing and they can still trade them and they get another year to kind of figure out who these guys are. So. Uh, it's it's a it's fascinating. It's just a the the Lakers are fascinating, but I don't think that it's just absolutely devastating to them because their team is poised to change next summer, anyways. Right. I think these next four teams, and especially my top three teams, I think it's like really franchise altering. Yeah. Um, so my next one coming in at number four now now I'm calling them most devastating would be the Thunder, the OKC Thunder. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the one hand, the OKC's core is locked up. That's, that's the good news. You know, unless someone demanded a trade, it's hard to imagine much changing outside of Billy Donovan getting fired. Mm -hmm. But the bigger issue in this scenario is you've now wasted a year of Westbrook and George's prime and going back to the Houston playoff series in 2017, you now have two straight years where you had super high expectations post KD and you really have nothing to show for it outside of some exciting off seasons. And in addition, missing the playoffs would obviously be huge for the Westbrook discussion and would just fuel the anti-Westbrook fire. So I, I don't think it would be franchise altering in the sense that they still have, you know, they still have Westbrook. They're still going to have Joris. They're still going to have Adams. They're, those guys are locked in. Um, they're probably just going to end up being a coaching change. But the narrative around especially Westbrook would change significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it obviously would be pretty bad <laughs> we're in the top we're in the top five right now it would be really terrible if they did and i think they, they'd have to look at seeing if they can trade a guy like steven adams 
and seeing what's out there for him. And I, I don't think the Thunder aren't doing that now. I think that they are, and he's just kind of their their last big chip to play uh, to improve this version of the Thunder. And so that would probably be more likely at that point to see. But even, and even Zach Lowe said it yesterday on his show that the Thunder are as close to a lock as it gets to make the playoffs. So I, I would be really surprised just because I think they're going to have that baseline defense that keeps you in. I think they're going to be a top five defense. And the last time a top five defense didn't make the playoffs, it's, it's been a long time and it's pretty rare. And so they obviously have the scoring prowess and the, the veterans there. I mean, it would just, it'd be pretty shocking if they didn't after all that this team has done. Um, now were they your number four? So I'm at five now and I have the blazers there before the thunder. Okay. Just because I've, I feel like in a way they're more poised to change their core if they don't make it than the thunder are. I think the thunder just stand pat. Let's figure out on the fringes what we can do to get better. I think the Blazers, you know, everybody has been trying to force this Lillard or McCollum choice on them for a couple of years now. I think that it might actually be real then. And so I, I think that that moving forward, I mean, they would have to admit that that's not the greatest pairing and that they need to go find somebody else. Honestly, I thought that trading CJ or Dame for Kawhi made a ton of sense for that team. That would have made the Blazers a really strong, strong team. Maybe he wouldn't stay in Portland. I have no idea. But I just don't know what you'll get for those guys and like what direction you want to move in. Because if you have Lillard or McCollum, you want to be good now. I don't think that you're wanting to kick the can down the road. But it's uh, it's it's interesting. And coming off of getting swept in the first round, I mean, Blazers fans would be rioting if they if they didn't make it because this team looked like they were on the upward trajectory a couple of years ago after LaMarcus left that they had this big surprising season. They have all these guys now and like, we're going to be okay. And then losing like they did to the Pelicans. It's like, Oh, and then there's, there's rumblings about Lillard, like not being totally happy there. And he's, he's a candidate. Right. He's a candidate to be a Laker. I mean, he would be great next to LeBron. And so I wouldn't be surprised if something like that, was that what like that happened where they were able to trade some young guys and get Lillard. But um, there would definitely be some turmoil if they miss the playoffs more. So and that's why I have them. Uh, well, wait, no, no, no. I have them b- before the thunder. I just think there would be some turmoil, but both teams, it would be, it would be really bad for either team to miss. And I, I think that I don't think there's like a, a high chance the thunder miss, but I think there's a real chance the blazers do just because they, if they have an injury, because they seem to have these spurts where they just win a ton of games and the spurts where they're losing a ton of games. And if they have an injury that hits just right, they could be in big time trouble. Yeah, I, I ended up putting Portland ahead of OKC only because I think it would my top three. I really do think it would be franchise altering. Yeah, um, because especially when you consider, like you mentioned, the smoke that's already coming out of Dame's camp. Mm hmm. I, I think there's a scenario where he would demand a trade, maybe not publicly, but at least to Paul Allen. And I suspect that he might actually be the one trade in this scenario. 
um, for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, if he demands it, but I also think they could probably get more for Dame right mm-hmm. now. I thought there was a huge age difference between Dame and CJ. It's only a year. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they would probably, they'd like to have a younger guy, but it's not like it's that huge of a, a thing. But the bigger the bigger franchise-altering aspect is that he is the face of the franchise in Portland. Yeah. Um, and so to potentially lose someone like that, that would just completely change what we think of as the trailblazers. Even though I think they could potentially rebound pretty quickly if they can get a good package back for Dame and then build around CJ. Mm-hmm. So they're yeah. not as they're not as in bad of a shape as my top two teams, but it's still bad. Yeah. I've got, I'm going to go ahead and move the switch, the blazers and the thunder. So then I have Lakers, thunder blazers at <laughs> six, five. Now we, have, now we have the same. <laughs> I, I just, the more that I heard you talk about it and the more I talked about it, I was like, you know what? This would be a lot worse for the, for the blazers to miss. Yeah. So my top two, these are where I think it gets really bad. Obviously, you're going to talk about Houston at the end. I didn't include them on my list, but the, my number two is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay. So I think if the T-Wolves miss the playoffs, I think it's pretty obvious that Tibbs would probably be fired. And I actually think he's a candidate to be fired in season if they got off to a bad start. Um, things just seem really rocky there. Mm-hmm. I think in this scenario, Jimmy Butler probably leaves and he probably potentially leaves for nothing. Yeah. So the Wolves essentially end up back where they were two seasons ago. But now with Wiggins, who ostensibly would have had a bad season in this scenario, now he's locked up into a huge contract until 2022. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, what happens with the Carl Anthony Town stuff? Like there's been a lot of smoke there this summer as well. Um, and I think the thing that pushes them above OKC in Portland for me is their ownership. Like if you're a T-Wolves fan in this scenario, how could you have any hope left <laughs> that this ownership group will be able to turn it around? Right. I think it'd be a really, really dark time in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance that this happens. Yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. Andrew Wiggins in 2023 is will have an expiring contract, but it's for $33.6 And I know during... In that time, it's not, you know, 33 million is not going to be 33 million this year. But still, to have him locked up and be the guy that doesn't have the greatest reputation, yeah, it's they're in, they're in a tough spot and they could miss. I mean, they they re-signed Derrick Rose; he's back. I mean, that's that's tough because um, I just everybody seems to like Tyus Jones a lot more, and I wish I could say that I've watched enough of Tyus Jones to say that. Derrick Rose is is definitely worse than he is, but I would I trust a lot of the opinions that are coming that in that direction. But it, it's I don't know. I think they're going to struggle with identity. I think that they got to the end of the season and they they did struggle with that. And so Todd Gibson's another year older. I just don't know who's going to play big minutes for them because you start looking and they're kind of a thin team they're going to count on anthony tolliver to play big minutes for them i think derrick rose will probably play big minutes for them they don't have a ton of youth on this team jeff teague obviously will play a ton for them and it just also tibbs style where he's going to play guys play those starters again crazy minutes and you've seen that it's just with those bulls teams it's just not really sustainable to do that year after year after year to play those guys crazy minutes and that's who Tibbs is and that's what he believes is best for their team. And so they, they barely made the playoffs last year. I maybe they're better this year just because towns is a better player than he was last year. And that's a, that's a possibility. 
And, you know, Jimmy Butler missed a ton of time last year at kind of a, a tough spot to do that. And so maybe he's healthy all year and they're better, but them having a shaky locker room. Yeah. I think that Tibbs would be gone. I think Jimmy's gone. And then you're left with Andrew Wiggins and towns, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but you're definitely not where you thought you would be. And you just basically have like another rebuild on your hands, except for you're going to have towns with a big deal and Wiggins already has his, and you still have Jeff Teague, who's going to be paid through 1920. I mean, it's, they're just in a really interesting spot and it could all come crumbling down pretty quickly. And then my final one, uh, which you should be able to guess if you've been paying attention is the new Orleans Pelicans. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because yes, it would be terrible for the wolves, but I think with the Pelicans now we're talking about like the actual health of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if the Pelicans miss the playoffs and remember the rules are an assumption of relatively good health. I think it potentially triggers an Anthony Davis trade who would be a free agent the following season. So this would be like his pre agency year. Um, not this year, but the next year. Um, and I think it would bring into question the future of the franchise in new Orleans. And listen, I bristle. I hate, when people talk about OKC that way, like we couldn't support a franchise if Russ was gone. Mm-hmm. And I get that I'm doing the exact same thing to New Orleans right now, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but they are the smallest market in the NBA. For- Forbes ranked them as the least valuable NBA franchise. They were 25th last year in average attendance. Mm-hmm. They're in a city where they're always going to be second fiddle to the Saints. So you combine a lottery season with a potential Anthony Davis trade, and I think bringing up the future of the franchise in New Orleans isn't out of the question. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and it's it's scary for them. And they were really good at the end of the season. They swept the Blazers in the playoffs, and they really showed a lot. But they, you know, they, they signed Julius Randle and Alfred Payton. Rayshon Rondo was really big for that team last year, and maybe those guys can come in and and play well for them. But yeah, there's there's a lot riding on this season. And Drew Holiday was great for them, but he's had injury problems in the past and he's got a contract that lasts until 2022 yeah it's um they're they're an interesting team because they they finished so strong and maybe you just they found some magic with that miritich davis front court and randall as the maybe i don't know if randall expects to start or come off the bench or because there's some ego there with randall and with miritich i don't really know how they'll settle that and who plays in that spot uh but there's not a ton of guys that have upside on this roster, which is a little bit scary because you always want to kind of have guys, you know, behind your stars that can be better next season. I'm not sure that true holiday can be better than he was last year. He was amazing. Uh, maybe Julius Randall is that guy, but yeah, they, if Anthony Davis, maybe, maybe he commits, maybe he, he'll be eligible for the super max, uh, unless he gets hurt. And if he is, then I think that they offer it to him and maybe he takes it, but it's, it's going to be his just hit the rest of his career could really shape the NBA because if he is traded to the Celtics or traded to, I don't know who else. I mean, he's going to shape the NBA in a way because he is very, very good. And I don't think the NBA has really seen how good he is just because they're, you know, that Pelican team was good, but you just, they're really thin. I mean, you have Holiday, Davis, Miritich, 
Randall, then like Etwan Moore is our next best guy. And then like, who knows what Alfred Payton's going to do? I mean, they're, they're really thin and it, it, it could be very devastating if they didn't make it because I think that then like Anthony Davis would be like, all right, guys, listen, you guys need to go get something for me. And I think right. that, I think that that is where like Boston holds back a lot. They held back a lot with Kawhi. Uh, I don't think that they hold back with AD because he's he's the kind of guy that you just don't. And so he could be. I mean, Anthony Davis could be the best player in the NBA in the next two years. I mean, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah. And so I I think that Boston finally pushes all their chips in the middle of the table and says, all right, you can have these picks, you can have Jalen Brown, you can have all these things. And I, you know, for new Orleans, that doesn't really make you super happy. And I think you're right that you do have to call into question them being in new Orleans, but, uh, man, there, there's a ton of pressure on them to be good this season and a ton of pressure on Alvin Gentry to put this team together, uh, and you know what? They're they're riding high on a playoff series victory, which is something the Thunder can't say. And so good for them. And maybe maybe they can go into this season and be good. Because like I said, Anthony Davis is just that good. And if he's healthy, then it's they're gonna be right in the mix for the you know, six, seven, eight spot. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, now looking over our list, it's funny how I mean, we didn't talk to each other at all. Um, but it's funny how our list basically ended up the same. Mm-hmm. Like at some point for me, it just became like a logic puzzle. Like I was just like thinking through what was bad about each team and they kind of just found their own slot. Right. But you have, you have one more to talk about our, our, our own fever dream <laughs> of Houston missing the playoffs. Oh man. It would be, I wrote one word next to it and it was bliss. <laughs> It would be so, <laughs> man, I don't think it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But James Harden, Chris Paul, and Carmelo Anthony sinking the Rockets ship <laughs> would just be uh, a tremendous storyline for Oklahoma City Thunder fans because like, the way that people are talking now, and it's just all speculation. It's like Carmelo is going to be better for the Rockets. And it's, it's kind of a, that's a shot at Westbrook. And, it's it would just be really really interesting storyline if they were to miss because i mean maybe they don't gel offensively their defense is obviously not going to be as good maybe clint capella takes the qualifying offer uh and is they're not able to come to a deal and he's like you know what i don't like the way you guys have dealt with me i'm taking the qualifying offer if they miss the playoffs clint capella is probably not coming back you have this you have Carmelo kind of hanging over them. What is he going to do next summer? He probably leaves, which would probably be a good thing for them if they indeed miss the playoffs. You know, Chris Paul locked up forever. You obviously saw James Harden, but then like, what do you have around him at that point? And so it'd be incredibly devastating to them if that entire scenario played out. Now that's like the absolute worst case scenario for them. And just like, uh, like you said, a fever dream, but uh, it's not going to happen but it would be incredibly devastating to them if the two things happen. They miss the playoffs and Clint Capella is on a qualifying offer, in which case, right. so he, they couldn't just trade him. He has a no trade clause. Um, if you get, if you take the qualifying offer, you have a no trade clause. And so 
it's they're in a tough spot. And so I, to me, like they just need to pay Clint Capella and stop playing around and just give him what would make him happy and then move into your season and move forward with them because he's so perfect with Chris Paul and with James Harden as a rim rolling center. And he dominated Gobert, which is something I just did not see happening. He was, he was fantastic. And I just don't think you can, I don't think you should mess around with that kind of guy. Cause I know there's a lot of centers and it's easy to get a center, but you, it's not easy to get a center like that. And so I, I don't know. It's, they've had such a weird summer and it's, it's hard not to feel like they got a lot worse this year, but you also, there's like a part of you that's a little bit timid to say it because last summer I didn't think they'd be this good. I didn't think the fit would be this good for them. I didn't think they'd challenge the Warriors in the playoffs, and they they did. I mean, they took them to the wire. And so it's that they're a fascinating team, and they've made a lot of changes on the fringes that seem like they're going to be a lot worse. And you know, I still feel a little weird saying that I know they're going to be worse, but I I've seen what Carmelo can do to a franchise, and I just wonder. And, and some of that is like the coolness factor because I, I, the thunder were, I was in that locker room several times after games where they lost and rarely did it feel devastating and rarely did it feel like, okay, we've got to make some changes. Oftentimes it just felt like, you know, we're cool. We got this. And I think a lot of that is Mello's mentality. And so he just, he stays real steady. He's just, he's a cool guy and he stays that way and nothing can really rock him. And so I just wonder if that mentality is necessarily a good thing. And so I, I think that we'll, we'll find out with, with the Rockets, what kind of player he can be. Cause everyone we're having the same conversations we were having last year. Oh, we got hoodie mellow who's playing really well in the summer. Look at all these things he's doing in the gym. <laughs> and now he's, you know, I, I, I don't, is he going to be team USA mellow? Like I, I, that's that ship has sailed. It is gone, and it's been gone for a long time. Just go. I want you guys to go look at a picture of Mello from last year and that uh, Team USA Mello, and just just look at the difference. Just look at the physical difference between the two of them, and then I'll tell you. And then we can talk about why he can't be that guy because uh, he was in much better shape then and maybe he'll get in better shape this year i don't know i'd be shocked if he did because he's just getting to that age where usually guys don't suddenly get in better shape but maybe maybe he does but uh the mellow conversation just continues to be fascinating and the end of his career will be really interesting with the teams that he's been on so um alex anything else before we go no i think ending the podcast on a five minute hate rant about the Houston Rockets will probably make everyone happy. Uh, you know, the, the pipe dream of them missing the playoffs. I think that's, that's a good place to leave it. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll leave you guys with that. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. Uh, please take some time today. If you listen week in, week out and you enjoy our show, please leave us a five-star iTunes review. It's a super simple thing to do. If you have an iPhone, just click on that purple podcast app and search down to dunk. You can leave five stars. It just takes a couple seconds. Uh, that would be really helpful to us. You can do it from your computer as well. So please just take a couple minutes for us to do that. It's just, it's a helpful thing for us to continue to have those. So uh, you guys are great. Uh, look forward to talking to you guys again on Friday. I may or may not be on the show, uh, but we will still have a show uh, whether or not I'm there. 
Uh, Have a great day and we'll talk to you guys again soon.